1: on there now hooray
0: thank you everyone for joining in thank you
2: everyone for joining in for another episode of the ono disc golf podcast with me as always is my partner in crime kyle how's it going
1: guys how's it going
2: and special guest all the way from japan right now scott stokely everyone knows him but scott why don't you tell us what you got going on
3: right now well, I am in Japan right now. This is not a set behind me. This is actually our hotel room. Uh, we have no bed in this room. We have a a mat with futons, and the I mean, I'm sitting on the floor right now because that's there's no chairs in the room, traditional chairs or tables. Interesting. Um,
1: that's really yeah. Cool.
3: Well, it, but, I mean, this is on purpose. I mean, this is a we're at the base of Mount Fuji. Uh, the room is called a. Uh, it's, called a it's a ryokan. It's um, it's a, it's just more of a traditional um, Japanese setting. I mean, there's public baths, um, you know, which there's the men's and the women's, and they're all nude public baths. Um, I cannot enter those because of tattoos.
2: Really? Like,
3: oh, no. yeah. This is not just here. This is everywhere across Japan. There's a couple places of starting to change this. But the two things that are not allowed is co-ed bathing and tattoos. It's just that's the tradition. And and uh, uh, that's just the way it works here. And so, uh, yeah, we're in Japan for we've been here for five weeks, four or five weeks. We're staying for another week or two. And then we're off to Europe to go play disc golf all over Europe Sounds for amazing. the year. So where's like the first destination in Europe? Uh, well, we're going to. So I had a problem with my visa. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought, since I wasn't spending more than 90 days in one country, that it wouldn't be a problem. Uh, But apparently the convenience of having Europe uh, drop all their borders, like you don't have to to go through a a checkpoint every border the way you would like say when you're changing borders in Asia, uh, which is wonderful, but they now, mainland Europe called Schengen uh, is now covered under one visa. So you go to, mainland Europe for 90 days. You can't switch countries and extend it. So uh, I had to shorten my, my full season of Euro, Euro Tour at the beginning and the end. So I'm going to get to go to the, the UK, which is not part of Schengen Europe, for the first month. I'm going to be competing at the Welsh Open. I'm going to Wales, which I, I wasn't even uh, considering like three days ago, like literally three days ago. Our plan was to be in Copenhagen, and now we're going to be in Wales. Huh. That's um, quite a change. Then two tournaments in England, <laughs> and then we're going up to Glasgow, Scotland. Oh um, and we're going to do all the the normal traditional. I mean, we're going to go see Big Ben in London, and, and we're going to see Stonehenge, and we're going to get mugged by hooligans in Glasgow. Uh, just, you know, just the real traditional UK experience. I'm, that is I'm excited.
1: definitely 100% the authentic UK experience. Oh, if oh. I
3: don't get mugged in Glasgow, I'm literally <laughs> gonna buy a wallet and then just like dangle it from like a chain that's this big from my waist, and I'm gonna walk down all the by the pubs, at, you know, at shooting the Manchester United or whatever soccer team they don't like. I don't. I have no idea. Uh, you know, go England.
1: <laughs> well, but figure it out, and just the one that they don't yeah.
3: like. Here's so. what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk through Glasgow, and I'm gonna quote. Uh, a line from Train Spotting, which took there place in Scotland, where where one of the characters says, "We're lower than wankers. We were settled by wankers." <laughs> uh, I'll do that until I get mugged. By the way, if you're from Scotland, I didn't just call you wankers. I that was I I did this first, allegedly. So okay. allegedly,
1: allegedly,
3: allegedly. <laughs> no, I can't wait. Uh, you know, we've been we've been uh, six, five, six months or something around Southeast Asia and Japan. Oh wow. Um, going to some developing countries and my plan next year is to spend time in developing countries India I want to go to Madagascar over the winter um so England and Scotland really weren't on our radar because that is very much a western English speaking country right but that's that's it's (laughs) the way it wound up so I am excited to go but I wasn't that wasn't planned but now I now I'm really looking forward to it
1: I visited uh, just once uh, the UK and it's fantastic to just to, just to see all the crazy things. Also, things are just so much older that that, that always kind of like blew my mind initially. Oh, yeah. Um,
3: oh, yeah. We're we went to a museum here in Japan. Um, the monk that created Shen Buddhism, Shen, Buddhism, that's let's say, oh, I was thinking Shengen, Shen Buddhism, um, all of his original um writings are on scrolls at, at, at in display at this beautiful museum in in uh, Kyoto the the old capital and what was real interesting like i never connected the dots even though this is maybe so obvious if you know this but we saw these these paintings that were you know long paintings that had a bunch of small things um, him talking to a group of people him climbing a mountain him sleeping under a tree him having a dream uh this big long scrolled all these pictures on it and then it dawned on me that that is his biography mm. you know i mean of course i know we all know that's the story of his life but before you had the written language like that's how you would tell the story it's it's word of mouth right but word mm-hmm. of mouth doesn't really work you need something to like at least create an outline of the order of events and i'm like i it just it hit me and i'm like the wow that's that. exactly so cool. how word of mouth stories were able to be for the most part high spread somewhat correctly and, and not just lost mm-hmm. to translation yeah no, it's mm-hmm. fascinating because, well the point of that is that it was this is from 1100 a.d and it's mm-hmm. just it's old sold so like older
1: <laughs> than anything in the united states
3: <laughs> yes for sure well at least I mean, yeah. I mean, to, to 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 the West, right? Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, there, there's definitely some some really old stuff out in like Western, uh, like the Western U.S. It would be older, but but I, I get right. your point. Like
1: I don't. Yeah. Just
3: building buildings and things like that for sure. Uh, <laughs> and and by the way, even that's not old. But Now we're, that's only a thousand years. I mean. Right. Uh, I I would like to. My plan is that um, I said I was going to go to India and Madagascar. I also want to go to, to Egypt. Next winter, for uh, I mean, at least a few weeks or a month, and now we're going back. Like, they they don't think England's old, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, the pyramids were built closer to like four thousand years ago. than, I, I mean, it's insane. Cleopatra so was
3: was alive closer to us than she was to the building of the pyramids.
1: Hmm.
3: Yeah, like I stuff believe it's like just like is the yeah. yeah. Guess who's been watching YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> as a kid who grew up watching *Mummy*, the *Mummy* with
2: Brendan Fraser, Egypt is like one of the places that I'm not a big like plane flyer. I'm not good on flights, but Egypt is one of the places that I just have always wanted to get to.
3: Well, you know as a kid who grew up mummies? watching *Raiders of the Lost Ark*, the *Mummy* with Brendan Fraser sucked. No, so, I mean, I grew up watching that too. But I love the <laughs> *Mummy*. I love Brendan Fraser too. <laughs> So here's what's funny about about Egypt was that, you know, when you listen to the, you know, the media in America, uh, from all accounts, the minute I get off the plane in Egypt, I, I'm i going to be killed, right? Because I'm American. And that was generally the consensus from from what I well, I, I've i since done my research and nothing could be further from the truth. It's it's an incredibly safe country. Mm-hmm. Um, any country with high levels of poverty will have. Um, there's always going to be, um, you know, things like small property crime and things you got, you know, scams that we'd be worried about. But that's basically any place where there's a lot of people with any level yeah. of poverty. Right. That. But as far as physical danger, it's very, very close to non-existent. And everything I looked into, they said, yeah, you're going to come to Egypt. The people are lovely. Everyone will be nice to you. So, yeah, I can't wait. And that, how are you? It was actually off different... my radar. I was thinking I might never get to go. And then I did my research and I'm like, Oh, got you. How are you choosing, choosing all of the d-
1: these different places uh, to go? Or are you just, um,
3: I, so with the way I live, uh, my girlfriend and I both is that we just live for the next new adventure, the next new thing. You know, I, this is not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. I would rather do something tomorrow that turned out not to be fun. than but that I'd never done before, then do something tomorrow that I knew would be awesome that I've done before. Like I just want new experiences. Like I don't care if the meal doesn't taste good because I'm trying something new. If it's new, that is more important to me. I I mean, it's just what I enjoy more. I'm, you know, it's not, there's, yeah. This is this is not some like toity toity like my way is better. No, <laughs> type that's of, just you know, for, for uh-huh. you.
1: That's what you. love. For me,
3: that's what I like. So yeah. we have, um, like, I don't own anything. Um, nor does she. Like every single thing either one of us owned that we couldn't fit into a backpack, we gave away or threw away. Um, that's it. We like Amazing. our. There's nothing in this room. We like we don't own anything outside this room. No storage unit. We don't have boxes of stuff at our parents' house. Nothing. Everything we own, we can put on our bags. Um, now, when I tour, I have tour clothing, merchandise, golf discs—that's business stuff. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have—I got to run my traveling business. Right. But we do this so we are completely free to get on the next train or the next plane and just go somewhere. Like that's—that's that's everything to me. So yeah, so that's the way we choose things is basically what is going to be unique I and also, love that. We- Egypt and India and Madagascar seem pretty unique.
0: Pretty unique. Definitely. You know? yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I got contacted by the...
3: There's a disc golf club in Saudi Arabia that contacted me, oh. and I'm actually talking to them. I might go out there in November, and the whole reason I want to go to Saudi Arabia, wasn't on my radar until they contacted me, but it's like, I can't think... People? Uh, well, I, they have a club,
0: but yeah, I'm like... But I got...
3: I, it, that's that's right. like next to antarctica that's probably the most unique place i could think of it yeah like, that's I, yeah. To, how absolutely. many
2: people think like i'm gonna go disc golf in saudi arabia like uh, no nobody other than people no from one. there that no one's thinking about it
3: no no but you know i also like going places where i'm invited so when people reach out right. to me, uh, i'm like yeah well, that makes me excited to go because you know they're gonna yeah. take care of us and make sure we're we don't go to the wrong place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: How does it feel to be like a foot taller than the average height? Normal. Normal? (laughs) (laughs) I don't
3: know. Why don't you just ask a fish how it feels to be in the water?
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's true.
3: No, uh, the people in Japan are... um, a, you know, maybe a little shorter than the U.S., but they're closer to average U.S. height than I am to average U.S. height. So the, the, it's gotcha. not too much of a of a, a difference. Um, I'll tell you this, all over Southeast Asia, because it's not just Japan, it's all over Asia. I was the tallest person by a lot. And every country has a different culture as far as like what's considered acceptable. One country might find something rude and another country finds it perfectly normal. Well, right. there are countries where like countless people were running up to me, strangers wanting to take pictures with me. Just, but, just you know, realize. it's like they're, they're doing it with this. There's nothing. They're not laughing at me. They're just, no. they're, they're just, they're smiling and they're happy and they're, they're, they're lovely. And, and I just, it's really, really neat. It's so yeah, story. I don't, I don't mind a bit. I stick out whatever story in <laughs> <of> my life.
0: <laughs> Before Asia,
3: weren't you in Australia and New Zealand or am I making that up in my head? No, I was in that. No, I was, I went to Australia for six weeks and New Zealand for four weeks. That's awesome. Uh, now this is, um, you know, my traveling. I don't have a trust fund. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm and... funding this all with my business, my disc golf business, clinics. Uh, I got my six-month online class, become a complete disc golfer, which if you can read about it, it's That's a big part of how I – so I'm doing virtual classes remotely. So when I was in um, Australia and New Zealand, I did a, at least a dozen clinics, you know, where I would show up. So I did a, I did a fair amount of disc golf there as well. Um, Australia is it's I mean well, they're both wonderful, but uh, Australia is, is a lot like the u s yeah, uh, and New Zealand is maybe a little bit more different, but barely like they're very much Western countries very much um there's differences for sure, there's differences, but the, not as dramatic as when you go to the east, and I'm sure I'm sure South America and <laughs> the Middle East and Africa are going to be as different too yeah but no it's fun um i'll tell you what it, it, one of the things i i found out about australia and new zealand is that the big joke is that everything in australia will murder you right yeah. right they got like <laughs> what seven of the ten most venomous snakes and eight of the ten most venomous spiders and they got great white sharks box jellyfish saltwater crocodiles um drop bears like they got everything like Everything in australia that's the that's the big joke, and it's true <laughs> okay? right. those, things, those things they they they're, they're depending on where you are in the country there's things there that want to murder you. Uh, so we go over to New Zealand, and the joke in New Zealand is nothing in New Zealand wants to murder you. They've got <laughs> zero snakes they got mm-hmm. no snakes right they've got uh, one spider that's venomous, but it gives you a rash. it does it won't even yeah. kill like a child um, and they have no. Predators, no mm-hmm. crocodiles, no drop bears, no <laughs> no yeah. tigers. Not right. So the the joke is nothing. In Australia wants to kill you. So then we're out. We're visiting Lake topor and we are on the lake. And it turns out this is actually the caldera of the second largest super volcano in the world, next to Yellowstone.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: it doesn't erupt very often. If it erupts, and I should say if, when, it's a volcano, it's not extinct. When it erupts, it will kill every single person in New Zealand. So <laughs> over, if you look at the next million years, far more people are going to be murdered in New Zealand than Australia in terms of just sheer numbers. Yeah. Uh, Give it time. So actually New Zealand <laughs> is mathematically more dangerous than Australia. Just Australia just murders you a few people at a time.
0: Yeah, New yeah, Zealand you just, just got every
3: Eight hundred thousand years, they just kill everybody.
0: Hyper efficiency. Yeah, you, <laughs> you
3: just have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, it's like Yellowstone. Like Yellowstone's, you know, like it's gonna blow, right. and it's gonna be bad. Absolutely. But yeah. hopefully not, in, you know, for the next. I, don't know, I got thirty years left, so hopefully for not the next thirty-one years. Yeah, we'll give it thirty-five. <laughs> 35. I mean,
2: you might, who who knows where you'll be at, you know, in 35 right. years,
3: you could you could have found someplace away from Yellowstone where you don't have to worry about it. Actually, I'll tell you exactly where I'm going to be in 35 years. Uh, my head is going to be frozen in a jar in the Mojave desert, just waiting to be brought back to life. They're going to reconstruct my body with, with, from my existing cells. They're going to reconnect my head onto a cyborg body and I'll be back Disney in yourself. about 500 years.
0: Yep. And that's exactly. and you'll be so
2: a
3: perfect disc golfer then, right? <laughs> I mean, I well, oh god, the way the sport's evolving, the speed at which it's evolving now, like, I'll probably be like a I'll probably be like MA3 500 years no. from now.
2: <laughs> no, not if you like
3: are have like the robot body with your mind. Oh, yeah, no, be, <laughs> yeah, I, I see, but, but but see, everyone else is going to have a robot body, too. No, so that's what I'll be. So, thank you, Cryogenics. It's basically my religion. I'm not religious. So, this is my way of like holding out hope. This is the one thing that can prevent deaths from not being death is that my head will be frozen in a jar.
0: So, uh, both, I've, actually
3: considered, yeah. I've actually even thought about back. paying for it. So the ahead. company's called Alcor. I've thought about paying for this uh, because you, what you do is you get an ins- a life insurance policy naming them as the beneficiary. So, you can actually Sign up to have your head frozen after you die for like 40 bucks a month. And I'm like 40 bucks a month to be able to have this like glimmer of hope that it's not really over when it's over. I'm like, that's probably worth 40 bucks a month, right? That's no different than putting money in the basket every Sunday, right? You put the money in the basket and then you hold out hope that maybe, you know, there's something after. So why not? I don't know. Did I lose my mind? I'm crazy crazy now, right? No, we're totally with (laughs) you.
2: The thing for me though is like
3: I, when it's over, I
1: want it to be. Over. That's exactly what I was gonna say, Eric. We're <laughs> on the same page. Wait, what are you saying? It's like, don't drag me back from the dead. <laughs> like I, what's up, dead? Just let me. Just no. The those, eat me. You guys don't understand, just though. Like, throw every me in the single year,
3: Every single year, the world is better than it was the year before. Like the, with the technology yeah, that we have yeah, and the things yeah, we can do, yeah. I, I love life, and I, I just like. Look, we might look back and romanticize the 80s. It's like the 80s sucked <laughs> compared to the 90s. The 90s were so much better. Like
2: Pretty soon, yeah, I get it,
3: yeah. Name, look, let's put it this way. Name one, I want you to go out and pluck pluck a kid at random, a seventh grader at random, and tell him to write a movie plot. And it'll be more sophisticated than any movie made in the 80s just about. The 80s sucked. The <laughs> 90s were better. And, and it got better every single year. Oh, hi about me? Okay, here, go, go find any se- any any seventh grader and have them design some cl- oh, some shit. outfits. Tell me they're not going to be cooler than the, what people wore in the eighties. <laughs> I love where life is going. I, I want to I live forever.
2: I love it. No, that's great because I I now now that you're saying it, I'm like you're older than we are, so maybe we just have to get to where
3: you're at before Give it time. we finally Give it time. start realizing. The beauty of what the world is it's amazing stuff like there's there's of course there's negative stuff right it's like oh my god the world's like so awful right now like oh there's so many horrible things happening do you realize that our parents were alive at a time when a hundred thousand people a year were being murdered in a war yeah, and it's right. like and, and we're like oh life's so bad right now people are mean to me in social media And and you know it's like two generations ago 70% of the world lived in abject poverty a third of their kids were dying like before age 5 and if if it didn't rain for a month the, the parents would die that was <laughs> dude, that was a generation ago like Absolutely. life has never been better than it is now and people i think the perspective is is they're bonkers it, no like things are great so i want to live forever i don't Speaking, know how to do it yet i'm working on it about
1: the past Wonderful! Yes. this wonderful transition
3: that's old man uh, ranting right there by the way you know
1: dude, life is good it's what we live on
3: <laughs> i'm old i'm an old man i don't have any other option other than to do old man rants i
1: claim i want the old ability man, to
3: tell cohesive stories that actually have a starting and a conclusion
1: it's it's so normal on this show <laughs>
3: um yeah we don't no, we don't but,
1: tell uh, stories we just yeah. talk did you uh did you always want to be a Pro disc golfer, or is that just something yes. that fell into your lap?
3: No, absolutely. So, um, so yes, pro disc golfer, but but not just because of how much I love the sport. Um, I well, I started playing when I was seven. Uh, the my intro to everything is I played my first round of disc golf on the world's first permanent disc golf course when it was the only course in the entire world. So I started at ground zero at the very beginning of the game. And I fell in love with the sport. Um, by age 11, I moved right down the street from the course, played every day. So, yeah. But then, there wasn't really a future as a professional disc golfer in the 80s. Right. You right. Know, um, we kept thinking next year was going to be the year, and it never was. But, you know, but by the 90s, I could make a little bit of a living. But the the short of the story was it wasn't just loving disc golf. It was what disc golf could, could do for me. Um, so the, my, my, the story, my old, old man story, this one does have a conclusion, because I've told it enough times, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so basically, I, I did what you're supposed to do, or at least to what I was told by everybody you're supposed to do. Um, I went to college. I dropped out of school when I was 15, but I took the proficiency test, so I got my diploma and uh, went back. I, and I was in my third semester of college. I was working the graveyard shift at Kinko's at the time. And I was still playing tournaments on the weekends. And, you know, like every big company with like Kinko's worked is every like 10 weeks you worked or something you earned, like you earned a day off or something like that. But I, I had earned a day off because I earned it. And right. I had a tournament coming up in like two months. And I'm asking my manager, it's funny when I look back because he seemed like an adult at the time. He was probably 25, but I was 20, yeah. but he seemed so he like a grown around, man. Yeah. He seemed like an adult. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember asking him, I said, hey, in two months I need a Friday off because I have a tournament coming up in a couple months and I wasn't working Saturday and Friday, Saturday. So I need like one day off to get there to practice this new course. And he lays into me this whole spiel about, Oh my God, what am I going to, do? did you know how hard it is to replace graveyard people? And, what am I getting? And it's like, no, well, these are days off. You're supposed to take days off. You're required to take the days off, right? Yep. But he's giving right. me this like, guilt trip. Like, and I'm, and all of a sudden, I'm debating with this guy or arguing with him about. But I really need to stay off. I'm trying to explain how this is, you know, important to me. You know, and he's telling me how it's in, going to inconvenience him. And it's like, all I'm thinking at the time is, I don't care about Kinkos. I care about my disc golf tournament. I could give, like, I don't care about this stupid job. And finally he can, he like, Oh, we'll, we'll figure something out. And he t- lets me have the day off. And shortly after that, I remember thinking to myself, you know, if I finish college, I'm going to be having this exact same type of conversation in 10 years. I'll be being paid more money, but ultimately someone else is going to have control over my life probably.
1: And they're going to try and, and screw you over at every moment. <laughs>
3: yeah. And it's like, and don't like, now, I know in the professional world, it's not quite the same thing as like, you know, a minimum wage job. But it's like, in my mind, it was like, if someone tested, if someone else is going to say to me, it's Wednesday, you have to be at a certain location, then I'm not free.
0: Right.
3: I don't have control over my life. Someone else does. And right. I I decided at that point that I had to live a life where I was free. I had to. I could not be happy. you know not being free um i i will say like like i said before like this is not me i think this is makes me superior to other people or that i have this like high and mighty way of living because there's there's nothing wrong with giving up some of that freedom for security especially if you're raising a family nothing but respect for someone that says look yeah this person kind of controls part of my life but i got a paycheck every two weeks i got kids in college like like that's there's nothing wrong with that
1: mm-hmm.
3: i just can't be happy that way
1: yeah everybody so has different when i priorities.
3: yeah and so when i went out and i played disc golf i i i uh i went out to go on tour for the first time i set up a three-month tour but i still in back of my mind was like well at the end of the tour i got to come back and go go back to college i didn't know any other way so i right. I, I still was like oh, i got to figure out how to be free but it's not going to be with disc golf so I go out and I tour for three months and I make my living playing disc golf for a living. I'm merchandising, I'm, I'm you know, supplementing my income with other ways, but I made it on the road and supported a partner too in our own vehicle, which was unheard of basically back then. So at the end of three months, I remember thinking, I'm screwed. I can't go back to college. Like, how could I even think about going back to college? Like, I, I got to figure out a way to make this disc golf thing work. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I have to be free, and disc golf is how I'm going to do it. So I, yes, I love the sport of disc golf, but it's also a means to an end that allows me to live a life I want, and that is that is equally important to me.
0: Yeah, that's good.
3: So there's my uh, it, 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 a little bit of a random story, but I may mean, I think that's that's something that everybody should you know re- evaluate your life and figure out how to. You know, it's not easy, but figure out your 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 path. But don't let anybody tell you your path. Like,
1: hundred percent, yeah. You can't. No one else is going to tell you that how you can be happy. It's
2: it's yeah. yeah, I I just want to say really quick, uh, for anyone who's read Scott's book but hasn't listened to it, if you can find it on Audible, listening to him tell all the stories in his voice (laughs) make it that much better. Because that was like it was. It felt like listening to the book again but now being able to like see you say it because i remember you talking about all kind of all those points and obviously it wasn't word for word but uh like you said before I, I i you told the story enough times that that uh it was it was it was really cool for me personally
3: yeah well this is actually i think a little big picture a big bigger picture here and i do i do this on purpose i do it on every podcast and every live stream i do because uh I never tried to actually tell anyone how to live or be happy or be successful when I wasn't those things. I mean, I wasn't unhappy or unsuccessful, but it's only now over the last number of years where I've like, I've never been happier. I've never been physically healthier. I've never, my business has never been better. And now I feel like I have an obligation to pass this along. This is what the way the human race should be. Um, So the thing I figured out about happiness is that you have to figure out the things you want in life. Now, that seems easy, right? Well, what do you want in life? Like that's everyone thinks about the things that they want. But I think that what happens is, is that all of us, or at least most of us, have those views clouded by what we're told that we want or what we're told we need to do. You know, you have society. You have television, you have books, you have your church, you have your school, you have your friends, like you have all these different things coming in, telling you different things, or maybe they're all telling you the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that's how you're going to be happy, like what you want out of life. And so I think what you have to do is you have to wipe the, the slate clean and approach it completely as best as possible, objectively. What do I want? You know, like I, I've owned a, I owned a, uh, you know, 3,500 square foot house when I was away from disc golf, like in a nice neighborhood. And I was not happy there. wasn't happy there at all. But I thought that's what you're supposed to have. Well, if I'd really thought about it and and I went, hey, you know what, am I, would I be as happy in a house as I was on tour? The answer would have been no. But uh, you're supposed to own a house in the suburbs. You're supposed to do these things. So I think you wipe the slate clean, figure out what you want independent of preconceived ideas and then figure out a path to, to get there. And I don't think you could be truly happy until you find your, that, that path, but it has to be your own. And uh, it has to be, you have to be willing to reject everything you've you've heard. Not not easy to do. It took me a long time to figure that out. This (laughs) is why when I said I gave away everything, it literally was a decision. Do I do I need stuff? Do I own a single thing that makes me happy? Like maybe my phone. I do a lot of work on my phone and I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Okay, so my phone makes me happy, but the clothing doesn't make me happy. I'm required by law to wear it. (laughs) (laughs) Shoes make me happy because I don't step on broken glass. But it's like there's not a single thing that I can own that would make me happy. But you may also conclude that, you know, what would make me happy is having a big boat in my driveway. And you know what else would make me happy? If it's bigger than my neighbors, so I can show off my boat. There's not a damn thing wrong with that either. Like people would say that's that's superficial, whatever, shut up. Yeah. No, if that's what makes you happy, having the biggest boat on your block, then go after the biggest boat. Don't let people tell you that that's, wrong any more than telling me that I'm wrong for not owning anything. You know, it is it, it's like, okay. you no, know, figure it out and you'll and there's happiness. It's just not easy, but that's it, it's every you, you everyone can do it, you know.
1: Fantastic advice from Scott Stokely. Thanks, man. Old man advice. <laughs> My best friend is like your like exactly your age. So I get a lot of I get all of it. And I'm I'm totally into it. I dig it. <laughs>
3: I think it's fun. I I like I love to share, but I'm not a hypocrite. I'm happy. I'm happy yeah. successful, so I I'm not a
0: hypocrite.
1: Well, and you're not telling anybody to do anything or to you know it's it's find your own happiness. That's that's as uh, basic as it gets. I love that.
3: Well, I, by the way, a lot of these things could have a very long range plan involved, such as right. you know what? I hate my stupid job. I really want to be a painter. Well, guess what? You also made three damn kids. You know, you might need to postpone that for the next ten years, okay? But that's okay. That's a great. Way to it three, you can still paint
1: three damn kids.
3: You have three damn kids, or who basically have three damn kids. You're not going to get to quit your CPA job to 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 start painting. You know, landscapes uh, from your back porch. Like you can't do that today. You have a responsibility because of the choices that you made, but it doesn't mean you can't work towards that goal. You can start pursuing that as a hobby. You can start learning how to market your own brand. You can start a YouTube channel where you start showing people the progress of your paintings, but you don't have to monetize it for 10 years. You could start down that path. And the thing is that I believe is that even seeing the light at the end of the tunnel will make it easier to go to your CPA job if you don't like that job and you want to be a painter. Yeah. Just knowing that, hey, I've started the process to get out of here. Even if it's years away, you're going yeah. to enjoy life more because you know it's the, the stuff you don't want to do is temporary. But if, if, mm-hmm. if all you see is this in your future, it's like having a life sentence in prison versus having a parole date. I mean, it's like you there, there's got to be a different level of hope that you feel from one to the other. So it could, it could take a while and it could be really hard. And, and but it doesn't mean you can't do it at some point. Everybody can some point all right i'm off my soapbox i'm sorry
1: yeah, I love that, it. Got a that great. was great uh, do, uh, do, do, yeah do you <laughs> okay <laughs> um eric do you have any questions about, that was a good thing about the book do you have anything else on that um uh,
2: nothing about the book um all i was gonna bring up is uh guy we know your your new your new podcast just started coming out about a week ago right Mm-hmm.
3: Um, how's how's it been going? Uh, oh, yeah, these guys are so good. Uh, they're they. My, I've partnered with two people that are just crushing it. They're. I
1: just listened to it. Luke and Derek. They seem yes. really fucking cool.
3: They're really cool, and they're just they're they're my co-hosts. So it's not my show with them. We're like we're we're three equal okay. partners. That, oh yeah, uh-huh. no, we're 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 doing this all together. We all have different roles. I have a name that we can put out there in the show, but that's only because it's in the best interest of the show, not because. Um, I'm more important. Um, It's just, we're all, we're equal. And I'm excited because because we have a team now, they're going to be able to do all the things necessary. Like they're going to be able to pull up clips to watch from the various things. It's going to be just a different level of professionalism that I've never been able to do before. And so we're going to talk about disc golf not just the pro tour, which there are a bunch of shows that now talk about the pro tour, Mm -hmm. but also the European tour, because I'll be the, or wherever I'm competing in the world, um, that'll be a whole different part of the show. And then I'll also get to talk about some topics that um, one of the things that I've done in growing my brand is I've been the least controversial person I I could possibly be because I don't want to polarize my audience, right? So I, I don't talk about certain topics. Well, I've grown an audience now that, and, and people that follow me that, and I think I've built credibility. People know, they know me by now, mm-hmm. that now I can actually start voicing some opinions on topics that I might have actually just played center of the road before. So we'll get to uh, editorialize. Is that the right word? Yeah. Editorialize uh, the dip, disc golf topics and I'll give my two cents on, on That's everything. Exciting. It is fun. I I'm, mean, I'm, I am yeah. excited.
1: It's a different, yeah. uh, you know, you have a wonderful perspective on on things, so people want to hear like what you have to say. But they have a great um. It sounds like they have great rapport. Uh, oh, they're great, and it just like it just works. It it felt easy.
3: Thank you. I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I was looking for this for a very long time, and then when I when these guys they had me on the show, and I said, "Can I call you when we like they they just had me on their show, See one mm-hmm. in the morning, uh, and." as soon as we were done, like I already knew. And I'm yeah. like, I, I, did, I didn't discuss it. I made an offer to him like right, immediately. I said, here's what I want to do. Do you want to do this with me? Like I knew, that. knew immediately that these guys you know, were, were the right fit. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's so sick. Outside oh. the circle with Scott Stokely is the name of the show on my YouTube channel. It'll also be on Spotify and everywhere else too. That was my next question was where can people find it? <laughs> Yeah, YouTube is probably the best place because we're going to start doing, um, it's a recorded show, but we're going to actually let let people uh, join, the watch parties and and join in on the live show. If they sign up for that, that'll be like a premium service. So the show is free, of course.
0: Right.
1: But if you Mm want to
3: watch the live show and be able to like interact and stuff, then they'll be able to pay for that. That's
1: awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Thank you. It's such a... uh... I love the idea of just, like, monetizing things. It seems like you have, like, a million pokers in the fire at any given time. Uh, do you want to just, like, rattle off a couple of things that you've been up to?
3: Oh, God, you want me to rattle off? Okay, here. I'll, I will tell you about my last three years real quick. Jenna, pull up the map of the U.S. The one oh, I saw that.
1: You, <laughs> yeah, you pulled that up on the, on the show. Definitely yeah, show I'll, our I'll people show it too. to you guys as well. So, so, cool. let,
3: let, so here, I'll summarize my my last... Um, my last three and a half years. So when I, when I uh, or less than three and a half years. So when I, um, I'll, I'll grab that in a second. Okay, so when I <laughs> when I took off, uh, my daughter was off to college and I just, I basically got rid of everything I owned except for what I could fit in the trunk of a car, um, a little car. In fact, the person uh, the, who I was with at the time, I just little like, I think it's like a Celica or, or Toyota Corolla, something like that I took off in. I put all of my stuff, including my golf bag and everything in the trunk and the back seat was empty. And I I, I said, you can just get rid of everything else. I don't need anything else. And and, uh, she was like, well, there's all this room in the back seat. I'm like, but I don't need anything else. Like, I don't need more stuff. I got my clothes. I got clothing for a week. Um, So anyways, when I took off, I uh, had just published my book. I uh, did 1,200 private lessons, uh, either in person or remotely uh, over the next couple of years. I did a whole bunch of seminars around the U.S. I did a whole bunch of clinics all over the U.S. And in fact, this is, according to Google, uh, under Google Places, they'll tell you where you've been. This is 2020 and 2021, according to Google. This is where I've been in the U.S.
1: Absolutely yeah. insane.
3: <laughs> yes. I basically like went everywhere in the U.S. Um, over several years. Um, I started my store. I've got uh, my tour series discs out. I got my Stoker Universe discs. I have barbecue sauce. I have a golf cart. I have a clothing line. Um, I have um, like hundreds and hundreds, five, six hundred videos that i've I put up. I have uh, my my six month online become a complete disc golfer class. Uh, I've been that's all in the last three years. Right. like I mean, I've been growing my business. Uh, but the, the joke I have is, you want to know the last Netflix show I watched? It's like, or that I binge watched. Well, it, like, I'd have to think back because it's been more than three years. Uh, right. Every moment has been focused on my business. Um, I have a phone game coming out in hopefully in the next month. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a documentary coming out about me in the next month. And I have a huge project launching in four months, which I can't talk about, but it'll be the biggest thing I've ever done in disc golf um uh, we've been working on this for over a year and we're going to be announcing that so yeah i am i worked really hard
1: you do I <laughs> yeah, can it tell sounds me. like it
3: well that that okay well, so gotta, that's I the could... downside that's the downside to like hey figure out your path in life and just do it the the flip side to that is it's like it's not going to get handed to you like, you better plan on working you gotta your, work your butt ass off for it you got to work <laughs> yeah. your ass off you're competing against a bunch of other people that want the that same kind, thing you know, there's a market out there, like, and I want to. I'm trying to take on a take a share of that market, and whether it be disc sales or disc golf teaching, and uh, a lot of people will outwork you if you if you let them.
4: Oh. So nobody
3: outworks me. I can I can that that I can say no one's outworking me. Um, by the way, I I have uh, all of these. Every single business I just mentioned is a partnership. So I have like eight different partners for everything you know the barbecue sauce partner and i've got the golf cart partner and the clothing Mm -hmm. line partner and etc i've got three people out there teaching disc golf seminars for me traveling around the u.s i've got four coaches i got a video person so i'm actually employing like eight part-time people around my business as well so um yeah it's it's uh it's funny because i for the purpose of like my brand, which is basically, I don't wanna look like a professional company. I don't think it looks good. Like I have like eight people that work for me, basically, so I can give the impression that I'm just traveling around the world. Hey, with my cell phone, hey, let me give you a disc golf tip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is I've, I've built a, a really amazing machine You you uh, put in the
1: work so that you can do that. That's amazing. Like,
3: yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I do partnerships. Um, There's not one single part of a business where I am the best at every aspect of that business. I I don't know how to create barbecue sauce. I don't know how to build a golf cart. I I don't want to run a warehouse and build the infrastructure for the distribution necessary to do that. Right. Like, I can't mold uh, discs yet. I don't know how to develop a phone app. So, like, all these things are partnerships where I do what I'm best at. And partners, my partners do what they're best at. Um, I'll tell you one other thing too that I'm very proud of is that's about 15 business relationships. Um, I got zero contracts. I got Handshakes. every single relationship I have is on a handshake. Love that. And not really? that I'm opposed to that, you know, the next business being no. something that requires contracts, but you know, we have a phone game being developed that is, you know, it's you know it's well well north of six figures to develop this game right and it's it's on it's on a handshake and and that's something that I'm very proud of that I have these relationships that I've built
1: It's um, uh, amazing it's people neat. that you have to have in your life then you know yeah you like you're not no one's the best at everything and and unfortunately
3: I used to try to control everything in my business all my different aspects of my business which is really easy to well it's hard to let go of control when it's your business and it's your income i mean it's god that that, it's a skill unto itself to be able to delegate responsibilities to other people and recognize that they're better than you and go with their decisions like like here's the one thing i'll do i never if, if if a decision comes up that follows in their area of expertise we'll talk about it i will always concede my business to the expert in the area that I'm partnered with them on that is really hard to do. Like I, I yeah. ten, 10, years ago, I'm not sure I was very good at that, but as soon as I started doing that, I started making a lot more money. <laughs> okay.
1: that's, hey, so that's, it worked, but it's hard, and it's hard
3: <laughs> when it's your business and it's your income. Like, man, That's right. hmm, hard to do.
1: It's a lot of trust.
3: Yeah, it is. But I got good people, nothing but good people in my
1: life. So I'm pretty that's happy. It. Love that. Um, I remember you chatting about Ella Hansen on the show just a little bit. I was yeah. actually um I went to her first um uh disc golf clinic that she did. Um yeah. and it was awesome. She did a really great job. Um That's good she's been hear. teaching for quite a while, but um it was really awesome. So I just kind of wanted to like if you had some advice for um like Ella, somebody who's just kind of getting into teaching, um I know you have like the world of teaching um, experience. Yeah. So.
3: so here's the thing about teaching disc golf. It's the same as teaching everything. That is an independent skill from playing disc golf. Now, there's some overlap because the more you play disc golf, you gain experience and knowledge about the game, the mechanics, the, the physics, the, the mental game. I mean, you, you, and you learn things, but the ability to teach is a completely separate thing. Because like every single person on the Pro Tour can tell you what a top player does when they throw. Right. Uh, every single person on YouTube, with the coach's eye phone app, which means you can draw the lines, you can freeze and draw lines o- over a picture, mm-hmm. can show you the mechanics of the throw. That is not the same as teaching, because it telling someone to do something and getting them to do that thing are two different things. So the one thing I would say to every teacher is you start off with, you're not good at teaching. Okay. I, I, and and you, you don't realize it at the time, nor did I realize it when I started teaching. I thought I was good at teaching as well, because I knew disc golf inside and out. I grew up playing right. my whole life. I've, and when I helped people, they improved because I, I still knew more than them. Right. So I thought I was good at teaching. Turns out I wasn't, because when I look back now at the way I used to teach, like I'm almost embarrassed by it. Not that it was any worse than anybody else, but when I look at it now, I'm like, "Wow, that doesn't work. That's not effective. You know, one of the things that I learned was that I had done more I had done more than five hundred clinics uh, and had hundreds of YouTube videos. Um, And i had done a handful of private lessons, but I mainly did clinics and was doing the YouTube videos. So forget the few private lessons I did. I thought I knew how to teach because I'd done 500 clinics. Okay, clinics and YouTube videos have one thing in common is that they're directional information. I am providing you information, getting very little feedback on my teaching method. Well, the minute you start focusing on private lessons, and I don't mean five or 10, but I mean, the minute you've done hundreds, let's say 500 private lessons, you have now 500 times you've gotten feedback. Those things that you taught are things that I taught in my clinics. When I'm standing in front of someone and I, I say, look, this is exactly how I've explained this at 500 clinics and you're not able to do it. Well, that means that I didn't teach it properly. Yeah. Period not the student if they're trying to follow as best they can and they're doing the best it is not them it's 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 100 on the teacher it's only on the student if they're not trying or not paying attention but if they're giving their best effort to do what i'm teaching and understand what i'm saying it's on me so all of a sudden when i did those 1200 private lessons in the last few years i started to realize the holes in my teaching and then i started to realize I need to develop a method. That's why I call it the Stokely Method. I'm, I'm proud of this, but it's a very specific method of teaching right. that works, which is what my online classes. is. Uh, so it's really, I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So the thing I would tell everybody that's just getting into teaching is understand that, yes, you know more than the person next to you. Yes, they're going to get better, but keep that mind open to understanding that you don't know how to teach yet. And I promise you, by the time you've done a 500 to 1,000 private lessons, I promise you when you look back at how you used to teach, you will go, oh, yeah, I'm way better now. You know, it's just a separate skill. So, like, I'm an expert at teaching disc golf. I, like, I, I would say that it's probably the only area of my life where I'm actually honestly arrogant about I, I, I eat sleep, drink, live, teaching disc golf. Right. And 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 improving my my teaching. I'm very proud of it. But I uh, that that's decades, decades to get here.
1: Absolutely. And
3: so that I, I'll probably will longer of a rant than, <laughs> than no, ended.
1: Literally perfect. Like,
3: okay. Yeah.
1: So yeah, just be
3: op- open to the fact that you're learning. But so but the people that are teaching, they're building their future in the sport. They're building things that they can do when they get off the pro tour. I mean look Ella Hansen
0: throws a golf disc I mean Evelyn Solomon Ella Hansen you know Kristen
3: Tatar Paige Pierce like uh, Katrina Allen okay like there are a a a small group of of women who throw better than than any FPO players ever have and Ella has something to teach. When she the when, as the more she learns how to translate what she does, to the people she's teaching, holy cow, are they going to get good? And I'm not saying she's not good already. If I I could guarantee you, if you're an uh, an amateur player and you go to uh, or even an, an uh, or even a pro, a new pro, you go to Ella Hansen. I've never seen her teach. I guarantee you'll be better for having done it. But Ella's gonna get better too oh, at teaching.
1: And absolutely.
3: Holy cow, is she gonna be if she, if she can translate what she does? I mean, you understand that like she doesn't like she throws like a hundred feet farther than every other FPO player out there.
1: I was so excited to go see her clinic. <laughs>
3: it's like you're doing something different. Yeah. You know, because you're not physically different. I mean, you may okay, oh, this person's a little taller, a little bit stronger. Okay, that accounts for Thirty feet. That doesn't count for the the, the seventy feet beyond that. You're doing mm-hmm. something special, and yeah, it's gonna like it'll translate. It's really cool, man. I, I look. I'm a big fan of Ella. Me too. I've been very outspoken about that. I think she's. The, I think she is the next star in the sport, in my opinion. I gotta. I gotta give a shout out to my brother because that's
2: like the first tournament Ella was on. Sean. Sean, my brother, was talking about. Uh, you gotta keep an eye on her. And he did, he barely barely watches, barely plays disc golf. You know, plays with me, and that's about it. And so it was always it was it's always something I go back to. Yeah,
3: I was even when I when I watched uh, Waco. I mean, I, I felt felt bad for her. I mean, it's sports. We've all been there. That's like, yeah, it's you know, it and goes, it's yeah. it, it's hard to watch. But like, I also would like, and this is really easy to do when you're not the person who just went through it. But I'm just like. Like she's gonna win so many tournaments. She's gonna she's gonna have world titles.
1: I feel like you learn like, more yeah. when you lose too. So like it could have just been a wonderful learning opportunity for her. Like it was,
3: it was. I mean, she's like, yeah. I mean, next time she's in like, look, next time she's in head position, she doesn't lose the tournament, right? Period. <laughs> so no, not not yeah. not a big deal for Ella. You know, it's it's a it's a tough pill to swallow. But then when you look back, when she looks back at all of her wins. And she'll have a few of those too, like all of us. It's okay. Hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Don't want to take too much of your time, but we have a few more questions if you're down. No, I
3: look. I'm. This is. I love this. This is what. This is my business. This is what I do. I don't. I, well, hey, here's here's here here's my lesson for players out there who're trying to promote themselves. Never turn down a podcast. Never not sit at an auto, in the autograph line and sign discs. Never miss an opportunity to promote yourself. Because, like, this is these are all opportunities. Like, I will right. people that watch this show sign up for my class and buy my discs. If they don't, they've gotten to know me, and the next time I they hear about it, they sign up. I mean, if you're listening, if you're a player that wants to be a successful player, don't turn down anything where you're getting a chance to promote yourself. That's a bad move. So yes. I, I will I will chat with you guys as long as you want. Always.
1: I love it. That's extremely kind of you. <laughs> I'm love, no, I'm not being kind. This now. is in my
3: best interest. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this isn't altruism.
2: <laughs> well, here I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a business idea then while you're here. So
4: okay,
2: write so in like a in some form of a book. Do a disc golf travelers guide. Since you're traveling all over these places, <laughs> if you just keep track of all the courses that you've played or that are near you, you can put it all into like a well organized book or or even even just a even a post to Ooh. so everyone knows, like, you know, if I travel oh, yeah. to to Scotland or to Japan, you know, like where what like what, what leagues are in the area or what clubs are in the area
3: that I, you know, I'm if definitely I, promoting that. You know, I think that there's all a lot right. of people that are better that a lot of people play more courses than me. Like I'll be honest. I mean, at this point, when I'm like I only played a couple of courses mm-hmm. in all of New Zealand. I played the courses I did my clinics on, but when I wasn't doing clinics, mm-hmm. I wasn't disc golfing. That's not why I was in New Zealand. You're enjoying, yeah. Enjoying yeah. It, right. I mean, i 30 years ago I'm playing, I'm hitting every course I can. Like I, I don't do that mm-hmm. now. There's too much That's other great. things to see. I think what I'm trying to promote is just the spirit of travel. Like what I want to do not about how good the course in Cambodia is it's like let me inspire you to go to Southeast Asia and and do the the Thailand Cambodia circuit for for three weeks so it's like it's life-changing yeah. hey by the way yeah. do you want to hear a story about Cambodia my favorite story yeah, so far course. in Absolutely. Southeast Asia yeah <laughs> okay I love this okay so um well, actually, there's, there's two parts to the story. One of them is funny, but we'll start to the, like, the really cool part first, but they tie together. So uh, I was at um, um, Jared's place. Uh, it's the first disc golf course in Cambodia. He, it's in Siem Reap. It's right next to Angkor, the largest religious structure humans have ever built, which is a lot of people go there. Well, go stay at Eric's place, and, and there's a disc golf course on the property.
0: Okay. What? What did I say? Here.
3: Did I say Eric? Oh, I'm thinking Eric Grover and okay. George. You're Jacob thank you that's good a catch. thank you Jacob I was thinking about you Eric um so <laughs> but it's in Siem Reap first course in Cambodia uh but you got he has a couple bungalows you can stay in and there's a disc golf course and there's some other places to camp out there so um we're at the course and he's walking on showing me the course and I mean, it's, it's it's actually like a legitimately good course. This isn't just playing in Cambodia. It's probably the best disc golf single experience I've had in Southeast Asia because there's it's beautiful, but there's rice paddies, there's water buffaloes and other animals on the course while uh, wandering around. And uh, after the round, I said, well, how big is your property? And he says, about six tenths of an acre. And I was like, well, no, wait, I think you're mistaken, right? Because right. you have a beautiful 18-hole course. I said, well, whose land is the course on? And he says, oh, a bunch of people's. We just play yeah. around, uh, we play on other people's land. And I'm like, they let you do that? And he said, yeah, in Cambodia, they want the land to be used.
0: Right. So
3: if 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 they're not using the land, of course, they want you to make use of it right now that doesn't mean you can like play like over the rice paddies he actually has roped off areas around people's rice paddies because that's like how they make their they're yeah, growing their, their food <laughs> yes <Yeah, it's> their <laughs> livelihood so you, you know like you're being respectful of those areas but he's playing i don't know how, how many different people's properties the course goes through and everybody everybody's okay with it it's, it's really <laughs> uh like being from you know, well, technically, I, my residence is in Texas <laughs> where everything has hardware fences and purple uh, purple posts outside, letting you know what happens if you step on their property mm. to go from that to uh you know this the, the shared space is kind of neat. By the I'm way, I, I, it's not black and white. I get property rights and why that's important to Western society. I'm not on the other side of the fence, but it is uh-huh. beautiful to see people that, that also share the space. A lot of the people, for instance, that, that have their rice patties where they grow their rice, that family, that rice patty is on someone else's property because the people that have been growing it have been growing it for maybe their family for centuries. They don't live somewhere where they could grow rice. So the people that own that land have always let them grow rice on their property. And they're not going to take that right away from them because their livelihood depends on it. So they're not even in many cases paying to grow the rice on the land. It's like, oh, you have land available? Can I grow rice there? Of course, I'm not using it. So, anyways, that's excellent. It's, it's a really it's awesome. beautiful thing. But yeah. one of the things that one of the results of this is there are kids everywhere because <laughs> it's their land, and this is what kids do, especially in Cambodia. It's like it's like in the they U.S.
0: Run in the, they, kids.
3: <laughs> they run around. There's kids everywhere. All right, so we're playing the final round of the tournament to see Emre um open um in Cambodia. And it's me and Tommy, it's we're like three holes to go. I got him by like a stroke or two, but it's really close. We're battling. And we get to hole like 15 or 14 of the final round. And there's a water buffalo in circle one. <laughs> okay, that's never happened to me on a disc golf course before. Um and and uh there's a water buffalo over there. And uh we're gonna ask, try to get the water buffalo to move. But um, Jacob, who, you know, he's from, from the U.S., but he, he speaks Khmer, which is the Cambodian language, you know, enough to communicate, but not fluently. Like, well, I guess kind of fluently, but not perfectly. Right. So he, there's this water buffalo there. Well, this water buffalo is known around the course as this is an angry water buffalo. Oh, no. <laughs> Most of the water buffaloes, you can just walk up and pet, but you don't get near this water buffalo. He will charge you down and he'll stomp you, right? And he's in circle one. So, uh, Jacob yells to the kids because the kids know how to handle it because this is they live it's there, the right? Land, yeah. So he yells to the kids, "Hey kids, hey kids, can 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 one of you go move the water buffalo?" And everybody starts laughing. He, now he's saying this in Khmer, in Cambodian, right? Can one of you move the water buffalo? And everybody starts laughing. And then one one of the other people that speaks the language well says, "Jacob, what are you saying?" <laughs> and Jacob says. Well, that water buffalo is, is the angry one. I mean, when you have an angry water buffalo, the only thing you can do is is move them, right? So he says, so yells to the kids, Hey kids, can you please move the water buffalo? All right. So we get back to Tournament Central and the person says, Jacob, you know what you said to the kids. So he says, what? He says, You said to the kids, hey kids, can someone go have sex with the water buffalo? Oh, no. So substitute the word move for another word. Hey, kids, can you please move, move, please have sex with that water buffalo? And the person says, Jacob, what are you saying? He says, that's an angry water buffalo. When you have an angry water buffalo, the only way to deal with it is to have sex with it.
1: You have to have sex with it. Yeah, that's the only way.
3: Yeah. That's my favorite story from Cambodia. Oh, <laughs> the, oh, the, guy, the guy, the, the chorus pro at the Cambodia Open told the local kids to have sex with a water buffalo. Uh, in, in, in his defense, he did it, you know, so it would get out of circle once because tournaments come first. I... <laughs> but anyway, so here. Now, when, when I share that story, like I'm trying to be entertaining. I'm trying to like, you know, tell a fun story. But what I'm also trying to do is say, Look at you! You can have these experiences in, in, in other places in the world that are so unique, you know, yeah. and, and so
0: no like one that, else that has never happened. tell that story.
3: No, no. Uh, here, I'll even give you one more from the course. Okay, so there are snakes out there in Southeast Asia. There are
0: mm-hmm.
3: cobras, like actual—if they bite you, you die. Cobras vipers coral snakes there's poisonous snakes out there there are just going to close my ears no
1: thank you
3: yeah no it's now the the amount of people that actually get bit is extremely low because you just you just use common sense and they're not out there to attack you they run away from you but um but it's you know they it's it's the real world right i mean it's it it, there's places where there's dangerous things (laughs) um so I heard this from two different people that were kind of locals to Siem Reap. So I didn't see this, but these are two different um, people that expats from America that live in Cambodia now that, that saw this happen where they were out there. The kids follow around your group because if your disc goes in the water, it goes into the thorn bushes, like they'll go get it for you. You give them a dollar, which is like an hour's pay for their parents, right, to to retrieve a disc. So they follow around to try to like make some extra money. It's really, yeah. it's really, really fun.
1: They're marking um, themselves well, then. <laughs>
3: yeah. So twice they they said that someone saw a snake. And they said, Hey, 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 there's a snake. Well, the kids run over and they start yelling, snake, snake. And their thought was, Well, how great. The kid is warning everybody about this snake. So the kid just,
0: snake, yeah. snake.
3: Oh, so, hey, that's really great. The kid wants to make sure we don't, you know, and the kid's like following the snake around. Yelling snake at the top of his lungs to so, so nobody gets bit by the snake, right? Well, that's what they thought, mm-hmm. but then it turns out that he'll keep yelling it until his uncle comes running out of the house and uh, that's on that property with a machete,
0: mm.
3: runs out, finds the snake, kills it, and then takes the snake back. What the kid was yelling was dinner. Oh, that's funny. Like, right. Yeah. If you see a snake, that means we're eating snake tonight. Yeah. And by the way, that's a delicacy. It's a treat. It's a real treat. Yeah. They find a snake. It's a real treat for that family that night. Um, so yeah, that's um uh,
0: this is what you this is
3: you know, these things happen in in other places in the world that are really, mm-hmm. really fun.
2: It's awesome. It's amazing. So did you get to try any snake?
3: <laughs> no, I would have no. But what we did do, actually, to 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 illustrate this point, I did. This is something that was very much unique. Um, also, in Cambodia, we were in Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Cambodia, and Thailand. But this, these all happened to be in the, our week in Cambodia. Um, we were with a couple uh, Cambodian guides, so they were local, but they they spoke English because they were giving us private tours of the of Angkor. And on lunch. We said, "Hey, where do you want to go eat? Well, we want to go someplace local. We don't want to go where there's, we, we don't need to see any more white people. I love my, I love my white people friends, but I don't need to see when I'm in Cambodia. Like I want to be with Cambodians. And so they're like, all right. So he takes us out this dirt, down this dirt road to this little place where it's basically like a restaurant. Um, it was, there are uh, four, there were four tables. And it's surrounded by hammocks. This is out, like in the jungle, right? Surrounded by hammocks because what you do is you you sit down, you eat your lunch, and then you take a nap in a hammock. That's part of your lunch. Um, awesome. nice. <laughs> is that amazing?
2: I like that. But yeah. I mean, everyone
3: because it, it's like it's Southeast Asia. It's right at the equator. It's basically in a rainforest or outside of a rainforest. It's very hot in the in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. So the days are spent relaxing in hammocks. So we go sit down at this uh, this little. It's not really a restaurant. It's someone's like backyard, um, but they have they have an actual menu, um, and the person that comes out tells our guides, and then is translated to us, really good news. Uh, just a couple hours ago, a free range chicken, which to them just means nobody owns it, a wild chicken was running across the property, and if we want, we can have it for lunch. So you get fresh chicken, and I'm like hell. Yes,
1: it's a special as it And
3: and like you know, free range doesn't mean it's just not in a pen. Free range the, the, their their translation of free range means it's just nobody owns this chicken. Right. So if that chicken right. runs across the property, it's lunch. So a very special meal, we had chicken that was right it was alive like an hour before um and mm-hmm. every part of the chicken including like chicken feet. We ate chicken feet. Um because we had it, it, you know every part of the chicken was served to us like all right they they don't waste food so we everything was used yeah so basically that's the equivalent of the you know
0: snake (laughs) yeah yeah
3: (laughs) yeah it was it was it was really good it was like it was actually like honey glazed like it was (laughs) yeah it was delicious and then you got to take a nap in a hammock man that sounds we all took naps we all took took naps every one of us did that's
0: Mm -hmm. what you do
3: yeah. Yeah. I don't blame pretty, anyone. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you want to know what the meal cost? I, I don't remember exactly, but it was probably around $1. a dollar fifty. That includes drinks and everything. drinks, yeah, Rice, yeah. chicken, everything. Probably a buck fifty. Wild. Meal.
0: Well, the chicken didn't cost
2: them anything. <laughs> no. <laughs>
3: That's true. It cost it. <laughs>
0: Oh,
3: yeah! Oh, yeah! We had. Oh, we also had a beautiful like fish stew. They brought out a whole pot of like this fish, this freshly caught fish stew. And Adriana was saying there was four of us there. The whole thing cost six dollars total for f- all four that's of us. Crazy! It is so inexpensive there. You get a, you can get a decent hotel for like seven bucks. Wow!
0: Yeah, that's wild. It's crazy.
1: Anyways, like yeah, that's my that,
3: that's. And that's just one country, you know, yeah.
0: in, in one week.
1: I try and like compare your travels within the U.S. to like now all your travels outside of the U.S. What, what do you think about that? Like what um, do, you, do you have anywhere in the U.S. that you're like particularly fond of or like? Yeah.
3: Um. So, you know, for me, like it's always about going to see someplace new. Mm-hmm. So any place we haven't been to before, uh, but the western third of the U.S., Hands down, you know the western third of the U.S. About a third of that land you own. It's 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 a, a, a BLM Bureau of Land Management land. It's National Forestry land. Um, you people don't realize this, but there is like a one third. I think around a third of the western third of the U.S. So it's like a ninth of the country. And forgive me if the math is wrong, but it's it's a it's not a small amount. It's, it's you know, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of, I mean, hundreds, thousands of square miles of land right. that you are welcome to just pitch a tent and just live on. Um, the only right. rules they have is that after 14 days, you have to move like a mile away. So they don't want you to set up residence there. But kind right. of residence if you move two weeks later? And the thing people don't get is, it's not like wow, that's cool that there you can stand government land. No, we own that land. That belongs to us. Mm-hmm. That belong. If you're an American, that land belongs to you. You have you have the right to that land. I don't know the hunting rules and fishing rules. I'm sure there's 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 there are certain rules, but right. you, it's yours. So when we are in, when we are in the Western U.S., what we do we do we would do a lot of camping. And I don't like like camping in campgrounds is like saying that you're you're like that that to me is like being on a cruise ship and saying oh I I saw a country there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with it it's if if it's fun you know wonderful that's people everyone likes different but for me I don't like campgrounds so Uh what we would do is when you're in the like western third of the U.S. you just look for a dirt road and you just drive up a dirt road and then you find a smaller dirt road and then you just pitch a tent and, and you could spend days there and not see even another car drive by at certain places. And so my favorite place is just how much space there is that you can just get away from people.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, we went to a place
3: in Death Valley. (laughs) We were in Death Valley. um, There were people where we went, but we went to a place in Death Valley where we drove an hour and a half from the nearest business of any kind on a paved road through Death Valley we turned off and we drove five hours on a dirt road and this is under good conditions, five hours on a dirt road um, to where we went and spent a week. And it was um, there, there's these hot springs out there. So there's people out there, but the only people out there, are the people who are willing to drive five hours down a dirt road in Death Valley. Um, I've also camped in Death Valley where I parked my car by the side of the road. And we have just not even a trail. We just hiked into the desert over these mountains and just set up a tandem camp so that's something that the u.s is it's really special there's so much space to do that mm-hmm. there's a lot of places in the world that like there's nowhere in western europe that you can do that maybe in the alps there's some places you could get in the back country maybe right. but it's like yeah, western but 13, no matter what yeah. so yeah so that that is different you know, I love I love I love the US. I love America. There's so many great things about it, but there's great things about other places in the world too. And it's great to see those those things, you know. Like yeah.
1: and you're a new experiences guy, so it's gotta be Yeah, new experiences
3: yeah. and the weirder the better. I will go, I will play this golf in Antarctica before I die. That is a guarantee.
1: That sounds like a hell of a video. <laughs>
3: Oh, I'm definitely doing it. Well, I played in, in New Zealand. I played disc golf at the southernmost 18-hole disc golf course in the world that the public can access. Um, now there is a six-hole disc golf course a little further south. So the reason I said 18-hole course is because I'm 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 the one telling the story. So can yeah, it's gonna be very technically the six-hole course is further south, but I <laughs> so I say 18-hole course because I wasn't I didn't want to go out to this island to to play the course um and the course in New Zealand is on a military base so you have to like there's certainly like you can't just like you can't go to a ticket counter and buy a plane ticket fly out and play the course so um it was at Invercargill New Zealand the southernmost course in the uh in the world 18 hole course that you can just play I got to go play that one that was really neat um but it was also it was on a ball golf course and it was green grass and Trees, (laughs) Trees, <laughs> there was no frozen tundra, gotcha. Um, no, no penguins, so it was kind of like it could have been in the U.S., <laughs> right? Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. course. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: So,
2: in the spirit of the show, what is your biggest oh no moment on the that's disc golf related? Because we're oh no, disco, disc golf
3: related. Oh no. Okay. All right. I'm going to share one. This one's embarrassing. Well, it's not embarrassing. It's actually funny, but it was really embarrassing at the time. So um, De La Vega disc golf course was a <laughs> course that used to get, it used to be covered in poison. oak. I mean, Ooh. bad. Like if <laughs> Adriana's laughing. At She's already laughing. She's heard this story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm like, I think I was like 17 years old. It was my first or second time up to De La Viega, but I was a kid. And this matters because, like, think back when you're a kid. You're insecure. You are you get embarrassed over things, you know. Plenty of stuff doesn't embarrass us as an adult. That as a kid, you're like, oh, no, yeah. right? I yeah. see that. Um, so uh, <laughs> me and every other player in the tournament, just about, you know, next thing you know, you're covered in poison oak. Everybody is
0: because there's <laughs>
3: poison oak, if not in the fairway so I'm on the hole. I still remember it was the old hole, uh, 5A, um, but I had to go pee. And so I was away from my group. So I walked down and I'm kind of like like near the ledge of this cliff. My back is to where the players would be and I'm peeing. And of course I itch. So I start mm-hmm. scratching myself.
0: Yeah.
3: Now my back's, my back's to where the players would be. Well, I start scratching myself. Well, if you know anything about poison oak, it's scratching a little bit doesn't really get it because it, there's always an itch next to it, and I am not the only person in the world to scratch my poison oak in a way that could be described as feverishly, <laughs> frantically, <laughs> aggressively. Poison oak um, doesn't feel good, so it's like... but, and, and remember this is this is this is an area that I had access to when I was going pee. Um, mm-hmm. So, anyways, I'm sitting there. Going, I went from going pee to frantically scratching (laughs) myself down there. And then when I I looked over my shoulder, my entire group was watching me. Oh, no. (laughs) And, yeah. And and one of them immediately commented, dude, were you? (laughs) Now, okay, number one, no one thought that that's what I was doing. Yes. But as a kid, I thought that I thought that they might actually think it.
0: And uh-huh. number two,
3: I was a kid, because if it happened now, my answer would be, "Yeah, you want to come watch?" Great. Like I'm, you uh-huh. are, I'm way past this age. I'm way past the age where I care about things like that, right? Uh-huh. But as a kid, it was my, like, it was probably my one of my biggest oh no moments because, like,
2: that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I
3: don't, uh, yeah, that was the first one that came to mind. I love it.
2: That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
3: How about violently? Probably, Not okay. frantically, viol- I was violently scratching myself. <laughs> <Violently. laughs> that makes it even better.
2: That's probably <laughs> the best Oh No moment. I feel like every time we bring up that question, we hear this really sad story about something that happened in a tournament. And and like we so we asked AJ Risley about it when he was on, and his his response was when he was going into the lead at Jonesboro Open and then dropped dropped to like fourth or fifth in like two holes. And it was just like, oh, I wish we didn't talk about it, but your story makes it worth it.
3: <laughs> yeah, how about this? I wasn't scratching it violently. I was roughing up the suspect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it, Well, it's funny, it, you know, like you say, like, you know, as a, as a teen or as a kid, you know, ev- as an adult, you now understand that everyone's dealing with the same thing. So you understand where, where, yeah. you know, like they're just trying to, they're trying to embarrass you, but as a kid, yes. that doesn't, that doesn't come across. And you're just like, oh my God, now I look like an idiot, which just yeah. makes you fall into the
3: embarrassment circle more. Yeah. So, okay. So we're in Queenstown, Australia. <laughs> I mean, uh, Queenstown, Australia, Queenstown, New Zealand. This is over Christmas break, um, which is where I did my, my Christmas show from. And we're at a, um, a, we're at a nice hotel because whenever we, we stay at decent hotels when we travel. I mean, I, I do, I do well enough to stay at decent places, but I stay at nice hotels when I have to do my teaching because I need to have good good wifi. That's not going to break. I got all these people showing up for my classes, right? So anyways, I mean, I'm at this nice hotel. And one of the, the fancy things about this hotel is that the bathrooms uh, have one of the, the wall of the shower is completely glass leading to the outside. It has a curtain, you pull the curtain aside. Um, and by the way, we've, I've, we've stayed at some of these, like on the 30th and 40th floor of, of these really nice hotels in Bangkok and Kuala Lumpur. Where the shower is glass to the outside, but you're you know you're thirty or forty floors up, but it's 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 very anyway. Yeah, no, no. Being on a slippery floor next to one pane of glass between you and you know, but <laughs> um, but but in this case in uh, New Zealand, we were about I think we we're on what the fourth floor. We we're like on the fourth floor, and there was a building across from us. I mean, I'm talking thirty feet away, thirty maybe fifty, uh what fifty feet, probably fifty feet away. It was like four <laughs> stories tall, but they didn't, they just built the, our entire hotel where all the walls were going to be glass. So we go to the shower, we're like, hey, it's got a glass thing. And we open up the shower, and right across from us is a building with like all these other windows, right? Like we're, <laughs> r- we're right there on display <laughs> for everybody. And we're like, I remember, I, you know, we we're, we shower together. And, and so I asked her, I said, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, well, you know, we paid for a nice room with a glass. Shower, shower wall. All right, so we just showered with our the curtains open every single time, and <laughs> saw people <laughs> right across the hall.
1: Like we Why don't not? care. Yeah, that's way, a nice not, way too long
3: of a story for, for a very little <laughs> payoff. I apologize. That didn't. That wasn't.
1: That was well, an old man. I thought there. that was fun.
3: <laughs> but yeah, that, that's how much I care give now. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you want to watch me shower? I'm. That's fine with me. I don't care if I if I was 17, not a chance.
1: <laughs> uh, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> That'd make me wildly uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, no, I just think it was
3: funny because, like, it was an option. Like, we paid. For, she's like, we paid for it. We paid well, for a glass on the shower. Yeah. We're, leaving, we're leaving it. the curtain open. All right, <laughs> right?
0: find one by me. I love it. Yeah, I'm. I'm well look bad. at my
3: soapy ass. I'm way past getting embarrassed. I told the story of, 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 I mean, come on. I mean, I, <laughs> I I told the story in my book about when I was sleeping and I had a dream that I got up to go to the bathroom and then turned out it was just a dream the whole time. And I woke up and I'm like, did I just, did I just wet the bed? At like 50 years like, <laughs> like, what the hell? Just Like, but I didn't really actually wet the bed because I distinctly remember standing in front of the toilet and I and I believed it was real, so I I I, I yeah. But you I get over being embarrassed time. over stuff when you get older, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Ever you you realize that like everyone is just a person, and we're all just like bumbling around trying our best. Yeah. No.
3: No. Everybody's got embarrassing things, and and you know. So if I share them, like no one's no one's judging me because everyone else, everyone's got their stories. We, my God, you haven't? If you if you haven't like. It, it, like, not having embarrassing stories as an adult would be like having a childhood where you didn't break any bones.
1: For real. Like, like what are you doing? Like, Just, like <laughs> sitting in your bubble wrap. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, oh, my, <laughs> to bubble wrap. Yeah. No, you're talking to a guy who literally, I think, has like a broken nose right now. So. <laughs> oh, cool. Did it get into a fight? Uh, no, with a wall. Yeah. <laughs> you should see the other guy that that wall is messed up (laughs) what
0: because it needs to make a better
1: you need to make a
3: better story hey i will tell you this i one time i broke my big toe one time i woke up and this was like maybe 10 years ago i woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and when i walked by my bedroom door i caught between my big toe and my other four toes the bedroom door and it turned Mm -hmm. out it went the opposite direction and snapped Mm -hmm. And I looked down at my foot and like, I, I, I distinctly, I looked down and my first thought was, okay, this is, is going to hurt in a, in a second because it takes a second for the pain to come like, oh, no, I'm looking at my toe bent the opposite direction, which I didn't know, know that the skin stretched that way, but it does. And uh, But my very next thought was, I, I, within seconds, I thought, how the hell am I going to explain this? I'm going to have a cast on my foot. <laughs> and when people ask me what happened, it's like, like, oh, I was walking to the bathroom at night.
1: it's like four guys jumped me and they they just went after my toe i don't know i don't know yeah you were defending (laughs) someone's
3: honor that's the best one are you married yeah okay (laughs) because if you were single then you could weave an entire story about how you were you know
1: it could be much more intricate
3: He defended yeah. his dog. If you were single, you could walk in, you could, you could tell the story like that you, were, that you heard this company was paying women 30% less for doing the same job. So you went to this company to confront the boss and then he punched you in the nose. Ladies.
0: <laughs> Ladies.
3: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I need a job marketing single, single guys. I, I could really help them out a lot.
1: Hey, some other poker in the fire, man. You never
3: I have enough time. <laughs> the only people that can afford to make it worth my while are people that have enough money where they're not having a hard time dating. So yeah. it's my That's target fair. audience doesn't my target audience, the ones with the money, they don't okay. need my help in dating. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not a viable financial option for my future, but
1: but uh yeah. <laughs> All right, Eric. Did we miss anything?
0: What's your favorite color? It's
1: blue, of course. Whoa. Blue powers the color
3: of autism awareness. Um, I was actually I just posted my Facebook page. I've been I'm really excited about it. Um, for the third year in a row, on on the beginning of April, I announced that a hundred percent of all my prize money at uh at, at tournaments. Um, we'll go to local autism or special needs organizations, uh, which is something I'm, I'm actually autistic. I'm...
1: So that's amazing. Thank you.
3: Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's something that is, it's uh, you know, that is really important to me to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, I'm an amateur. I don't play for, pri- I haven't played for prize money in years because all my prize money, I just give the local TD the name of the organization and they send the money directly. To that organization, so I don't even have to touch it. All the only money I spend is my entry fee. I pay my entry fee, okay. um, and it's three years in a row now. Um, I, I tell everyone, you know, it's I'm like, I'm I'm able to do this because I'm my business is succeeding. So it's like I'm not like I'm not taking food off my plate and suffering to do this. I'm I'm able to do it because right. I'm my other areas of my life are are, are doing well. Um, but the reason why. Like I plan on doing this the rest of my life. Honestly, I don't plan on ever yeah. playing for prize money then, ever. Um, but I always commit to one year yeah. because I reserve the right for my business to fail next year. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I, I need it. Like I don't want to commit to something and all of a sudden a year from now I'm like shit. I need that that you know seven hundred bucks a week or something, whatever.
1: Right.
3: Uh, when I was playing MP forty and fifty, I'd win like five to seven hundred bucks a week is what I was able to donate. Um, and uh, <laughs> like. Like I can do it now. I I can't guarantee I'll be able to do it next year. I think I will. I'm sure my business will do well. But just in case, right? Yes, I reserve, you never I know. know. <laughs> I, you never know. So I want I reserve don't the want right to put, put all your eggs in one basket. I might I might need that prize money someday, but I don't plan on it. So do you, do, I didn't know do you have autism. I do. It's really high functioning.
1: Thank you. I try.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, it's, the, I, I, I never, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I've been around the community and, you know, I'm not an expert, but I've been around the community enough where I, you know.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just got diagnosed this past year. I'm 29. Um. But yeah, it's, uh, it's there.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, what's funny is about, about autism, uh, and I'm sure you know this, but there are, I forget what it was, but like, there's like, there's hundreds of genetic markers. And everybody ticks some of those markers, everybody. So it's almost this arbitrary line of like, well, how many get ticked or which ones get ticked, but everybody's somewhere on the, somewhere. I mean, I don't want to say everybody's on the spectrum. That makes it sound like everybody has autism. And that means that nobody has autism. If everyone does, That's not the case, but everyone ticks certain boxes. I'm not, I'm not even sure that I'm not like, you know, I, I, there's certain things about my personality that are very, I think unique, but I'm not like trying to be unique, but I'm, but I know that I'm not normal. Yeah. You know? And so like, I I'm sure I tick some of those boxes. And then my daughter was diagnosed as a, as a um, late teens, as high functioning autism. And there is definitely a genetic connection mm-hmm. um, for sure. So the fact that she, that I'm kind of weird without meaning to be, <laughs> and the <laughs> fact that she's, that she, that she you know that she was diagnosed. I'm suspecting it probably am somewhere.
1: It's cool though, because like I don't know. I feel like that is not like why we communicate. I feel like we communicate very easily. Um, but like you know, I I like people who are also on the spectrum because it's like I don't know. They get it.
3: <laughs> I like people that are weird, um, yeah. and and when I use when I use the word weird for autism. Oh yeah, no, um, I, I will use the word weird but i I, but i use that because my definition of weird is is i like you far more than someone who's not weird because i'm really not attracted to to uh people who are normal (laughs) right (laughs) you know i mean i i I, i'm more this is why i like the special i mean it's the reason why I'm, i'm active in the special needs community i like individuals who are unique you know like that is that is the people that are interesting to me and and you know a lot of those people fall on the spectrum um one of the things that in, and i you probably
0: have
3: experienced this too mm-hmm. which is unfortunate is because they're like the word autism is such a just broad definition yeah um you you have people who are offended at like uh, certain autism like organizations that are, that are trying to cure autism and you have all these people with autism who are like, well, well, we don't want to be cured. Like, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong with us. And I'm like, I completely agree with you. That's you. But there's families that are struggling with a whole different level of autism. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not the same thing, even though it has the same name. And uh,
1: It's a very, very broad spectrum. It is.
3: And so there's, there's plenty of people that struggle with it, but plenty of people who are, that's just what makes them unique, you know? Um, a lot of kids who are diagnosed ADHD, um, whether or not you agree, it's overdiagnosed, which it probably certainly is. But a lot of those people, kids, turns out that they're they're just on the spectrum. They're just unique, and those qualities that are what you know, the markers that are autism are also the qualities that can make them extremely successful, um, extremely successful artists or uh, business people or creative people, right? So some of those those things I think can be I think they've been assets to me those qualities in me, right. you know.
1: Oh, absolutely. Am it, it,
3: not opinion. just like a
1: boring guy? Like I, don't
3: know. <laughs> I try not to be. I can't stand boring. <laughs>
1: Dude, <laughs> you I
3: know, I'll tell you what the old, about the only about the only thing that that's really gotten me into trouble is that I've also I've, <laughs> I've had past relationships where I've been like I've, I've only been interested in, in partners. Uh, for a large part of my life that were really, really um, outside the box. Um, I actually, like, this is God's honest truth. I've actually advertised in dating apps, you know, years back that I'm only interested in you if you have a mental illness (laughs) Um, because I'm just, I get bored so easily with people who aren't unique. Um, The problem I found (laughs) is that when you get the good crazy, a lot of times the bad crazy comes with it um And, and that is like they, they 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 can go together. So I have I have had that bite me in the butt before, yeah. and I didn't. I like I've literally been stuck going. Wow, I'm not interested in like like normal people, but I also don't want the bad crazy like. Like right. I think it's a really tough egg to crack. Yeah, man. You know, so that that's been about that's been about the probably the only thing about that that I think is you know hasn't always served me well. <laughs>
1: But, absolutely. But, you know, Thank you so much again for just you know donating whatever you have. Of course that's amazing. I love
3: right? it. I, I love it. I'll keep doing it.
1: Keep on winning. <laughs> hey, I'm on,
3: on a hey, I'm on a two tournament win streak. I won my last two hey. tournaments. Average ten twenty seven over six rounds. That is my best back to back tournament in quite a while. That's
1: killing it, dude. That's, that's awesome.
3: Yeah. For a fifty three year old, it's not too shabby. That's amazing.
1: No, for any any yeah, age, yeah, I, we're gonna be ball playing yeah. until we're like eighty, ninety, yeah, however long we make it. <laughs> well, you're gonna we'll just be like ahead on the course, yeah. For the for no, course. I'll be I'm gonna be I'll be thousand when I'm. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, I plan on I plan on you know right now I'm still
0: healthy, so <laughs> all right. Um, maybe covered this in the books, but when did you get disc golf on your knuckles? Oh, okay, yeah, so I'll show them. Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: Now, I can't go into the onsens, the the public baths in Japan because of it. So that's the bummer. Um, I got these. So what I've noticed in my life is that I have been away from the sport twice in my life, and that's the two times in my life where my life hasn't gone well. Um, it was once when I was a teenager, which I wrote about in my book uh, at, at length, and then, you know, I came back to the sport – and then when i left the sport for 13 years you know i had 10 really good years and then it, when it started going bad it went bad and the the sport has always been that is my base and i never should have left it you know um mm-hmm. never should have completely left it i could have pursued other things and and then you know kept in the sport too the and i burner, did not but yeah No, I mean, I didn't touch a disc. I mean, why is it that? I mean, for the most part, I didn't touch a disc for 13 years. I didn't play leagues. I gave away all my discs. I played one tournament and, like, in the middle of it, those were all borrowed discs. I didn't own any golf discs. (laughs) So I I just, like, I didn't play. And that's when things got bad. And so the sport saved my life when I came back to the sport because uh, uh, 10 years ago, I had a problem, not for a long period of time, but uh, with substance abuse. And that's in my next book, by the way. I've talked about it a lot, but it's in my next book. But um, that's how I came. Oh, it'll also be in the documentary that's coming out shortly. Exciting. Uh, we we'll talked about that briefly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, when I came back stuff, to the sport, but... yeah, when I came back to the sport, this was my first tattoo I ever got. I was told by Great. the person that nobody ever gives tattoos on their knuckles for their first tattoo or in a place that they can't cover up. Um, I didn't, the reason I did it that way on purpose was that it was my commitment to never leave the sport again. I, I basically was saying, I don't, like, I don't want to, like, I, uh, I, I, I uh, well, number one, I want people to know that about me. The first thing when they see me is that I'm a disc golfer forever. Right. Right. Like, that's never <laughs> something that I can, I can separate myself from. I also will never go back to to having a career outside of disc golf. So I don't like, this is my community. My community is fine with it. Like, jobs aren't, but I'm totally yeah. fine with that because yeah. I'm not going to be working in those jobs. So that was 2015 when I came back. 2014, 15 when I came back. That's my, that was my wedding ring that I'm never going to leave the sport.
1: I love that. Ever, ever again. I absolutely love that. It's important to awesome. yeah. so many different people in so many different ways. I, I love hearing that, you know. The, the, the sport saved your life essentially I don't
3: yeah well do you, do you, have you heard the story? I can I can give you the short version of the story if you're interested.
1: I'm I'm in. I haven't read the book. Eric I don't know if Eric already knows. <laughs> oh no, no no that's in my
3: second book get... it's not out yet.
1: Oh okay yeah. So go, here, absolutely short...
3: Yeah. So this is probably my favorite story in all of disc golf. Um, it's I think it's such a beautiful story and it happens to surround me but I'm not the protagonist in the story the sport is the protagonist I'm a I'm a almost an NPC in the story because it's more about the sport but in um 2013 like I said it wasn't a very long period but when I uh you may have noticed I don't do anything (laughs) (laughs) half-assed so when I was decided I was going to be a drug addict it wasn't like I was dabbling um I was I was all in (laughs) um so um when I um well, uh, basically what happened was, is that I was trying to figure out how to like survive. Like I'd lost my home, went through a divorce. I had no money. I was basically on the street at this point. And I reached out to some disc companies because I was I, I just as a lifeline to like maybe make some money. Um, and uh, uh, Dave McCormick at Gateway, uh, I talked to him and he said, well, I could do some wholesale, like open up some wholesale accounts for him. So anyways, I wandered into a disc golf store at a fly green disc golf in denver and if you could picture the scene i'm standing you know fly green of course i do yeah. so i'm standing at the front i'm yeah of course i'm you know <laughs> uh so you know mike and everybody yep so i'm standing at the front door of fly, fly green and at the i'm I'm still doing the drugs at this point but i'm at the front door and i am the biggest loser who ever lived in my opinion i was worthless i wasn't worthy of my my daughter's love i wasn't i mean i was just, just, just like i I was just trying to survive, but I was a piece of shit. Like I just didn't, I had nothing. I walk in the door of the store, and immediately the person behind the the counter goes,
1: holy crap, it's Scott
3: Stokely. And then he runs to the back, and I hear him yelling in the back, dude, Scott Stokely's out front. There were two customers in the store that both recognized me. And I'm like, I had been gone for more than a decade. I'm like, and there was no social media back then. I'm like, wait, wait, what, what is happening here? Like, and the next thing you know, I'm signing autographs for the two guys. They're telling stories about me. One of the guys says, dude, you're like my hero.
0: I love and that. I'm like,
3: Are you you gotta be kidding me. So I'm like signing autographs and I'm like, they have no idea what a loser I am. you know. But at that brief, that at that moment, at that That's brief all, moment, yeah, online, I, I'm not a, a, like, I didn't feel like a loser. I felt like Scott Stokely, this person I was 13 years before that I wasn't anymore. And so I signed a disc and it was like, I, and I was like, I, at that moment, I was like, I got to get off the drugs. I'm going to get off. I'm going to quit doing drugs. I'm going to like get my life together. Like I got to get back into disc golf. This is, this is where I belong. I, this feels so good, you know, and then I walk out the door, of the, the door of the store. And, you know, I don't know how much, how long it took before I was like, I need to get, to get high. Um, see in the movies, that's like, it just, bang, you know, you're better. Right. Yeah. But what happened was is that I, I had it planted in my head. Oh my God, I felt really good. It wasn't without drugs. Like this is like, I knew that I needed to do this, but I couldn't quit the drugs. So I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I, 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 like, I, when I have the drugs, I want, I, I, I I'm going to quit. But when I ran out, I didn't want to quit anymore. I wanted to get high again. So that's the way it works. So I remember, thinking, well, I got to get off them somehow. Well, fortunately for me, I had three warrants in three counties, um, Douglas Jefferson and Adams, I think, but three of the four counties that make up Denver. Mm -hmm. And the way it works is when you go to jail for, if these are all just traffic driving without a license, driving or a suspension, but, but you go, you spend a few days, you go to court, you would then wait a few days to get transferred to the next station and you wait a few days. So it's like, if I go to jail, I'm going to be in jail for like a month for, for, three, for three traffic warrants. And I was like, well, but if I go to jail, I'm going to get off the drugs, right? So I went down to the courthouse, and I went in the parking lot. I did as much drugs as I could possibly do. I threw away what I had left, and I went and turned myself in, probably higher than I've ever been in my life, you know? And, and I said, I go, I got warrants. Take me to jail, you know? And I, they, they took me to jail. And uh, I, I remember, like, probably had, like, six or eight hours, which I was, I felt great. I having having a blast. Mm-hmm. And the drugs wear off. And next thing you know, holy crap, you know, kicking drugs in jail is, is no joke. It's no joke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and by the way, you ain't getting no sympathy because half the people in there are kicking drugs right next to you, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, no one's, like, bringing you a blanket and an extra pillow because they 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 feel for you. I mean, like, it's it sucks but anyways I was in jail for I think 21 days and you know after the drugs kind of got out of my system you know after a week I'm not physically withdrawing from the drugs and I'm getting three meals a day and by the time I got out I was no longer physically addicted to the drugs I still wanted to get high but I had enough of a break where I got out and I'm like I'm not I'm not getting high today Uh, or you know right now like and the Fly Green gave me a job and I, I started working and I was living in someone's basement on a cot for like 150 bucks a month. But anyway, I, but I was off the drugs. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all I wanted to do is get high because that's not a life. Like that's a, that's that, that's a, that's not where I wanted to be. But I, I didn't know how to like, I had to figure out how to switch, you them. know, get back on tour. So I called Barry Schultz. Now I hadn't talked to Barry in thirteen, and I called Barry. I hadn't talked to him in thirteen years, and I said, "I said Barry, I, I, I you know, I, this is what's going on with me. I need to be back on tour. I, I don't know what I'm going to do if I can't figure out how to get back on the road. I need to basically, as strange as it sounds, I need to show up in a town and sign autographs. Like I needed that, and needed people to like, to give me that." Yeah. And so I called it Barry Schultz, and I said, Barry, I don't, I I just, I don't know what to do. Um, But I didn't, I didn't ask him for help. I just called him to just talk.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And
3: Barry says, and then Barry like sets the phone to the side, and I hear him say to his roommate Brian McCree, "Hey Brian, Stokely's coming to live with us." (laughs) What? I never asked that. I never, I didn't really ask Uh him anything. Barry gets back on the phone. He goes, "Here's what you're gonna do." you're going to come to north carolina and you're going to live with me. He says, "I live on a disc golf course." And you can you could you could play every day, get your game back and, and then get ready to go back out on and tour. And I said, "Barry, I don't have any money." He says, "I'm not asking you for money." He says, "Just get here." And I said, "How long can I stay?" And his exact words were, "As long as you need to." It's awesome. That's love, man. So I can't ever tell that without getting choked up. But that's no, what he said that's, to
1: me. That's like
3: so so Fly Green's like, hell yeah, dude. We'll buy you a bus ticket, get you set up. Gateway sent me a bunch of discs. Next thing you know, I'm on a bus from Colorado to North Carolina uh, to live with Barry Schultz. And on the way to North Carolina, um, as I'm on the um I'm on the bus, I'm looking at my phone. Uh, <laughs> this is America, even if you're like destitute, you still have a cell phone and internet. <laughs> so, true. so I'm on my phone. And I'm like, well, I got to try to play some tournaments. So I call up Spike Kaiser, Chuck Connolly, who runs all like 40 tournaments a year in North Carolina. Every weekend, Chuck's running a tournament. And I said, hey, Chuck, um, I, I was wanted to play some tournament, but I don't really have any money. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to do. And Chuck goes, oh, yeah, not a problem. He says, I will enter you in every single tournament you want to play. I'll pay your entry fee, and you can keep 100% of your prize money.
1: It's incredible.
3: Wow. Yeah. That's, that's how, that's, that's how it worked. I, had, uh, I didn't know Brian Schwedberger, Brian Schwe- Schwedberger picked me up at the, uh, at the, uh, the bus stop. And the first thing he said, he goes, dude, can't call from shoes like that. Let's go get you some shoes. <laughs> and so anyways, yeah. So this is the, 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 you know, the sport saved my life. And as soon as I did that and I had a focus, I was practicing every day. I was eating ramen noodles and, and, uh, like five times a day. I mean, but but I wasn't doing drugs. That's what mattered the most. And I was practicing every day. Um, and next thing you know, I'm out on the road, you know, playing tournaments, scraping by, but that's what got me back on my feet. So um, yeah, it's not hyperbole, that the sport saved my life. I mean, the sport saved my life. And my, that was my way of saying, well, my God, I mean, I, I'm away from sport for 13 years. Like it only takes a couple months back in the sport before I'm out on tour again playing disc golf for a living. Like, what the hell was I thinking? You know. So yeah, the sport didn't forget me. Um, most of the players didn't didn't know who I was. The younger players. Oh, gotcha. But every every town I went to, there were some old people there that, that remembered. You know, like and it was cool. <laughs> so that was like I said, I I I'll, I'll never leave the sport again. This is my my frisbee family didn't forget me. They they took care of me. Like everyone zero people weren't there for me hey i mean i called I'll turn this up I, I don't have any money i want to be at the tournament yeah no problem we'll put you in you know no, like i mean everybody everybody was like what can i do without exception I, I don't think i ran into a single wall in the community everybody was like we're so happy you're back
1: it's so good
2: just just proves cool? what we've, we've always said on here is that the people from disc golf are some of the best people on the planet
3: no, they are the best people on the planet. All right. some, they although I will say, oh I will say it's the it's the flying disc community, like because they've the the old frisbee okay. community. That's still, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- those are the same people. So, but mm-hmm. the disc sports community is a special group of people, and that's uh, yeah, it's, that's that is my story. I think it's the best story in all of disc golf. You know, and, and like I said, I'm that's I'm I'm a, I'm a bit player in the story, like I'm the catalyst to the protagonist, which is. The, the disc golf you know i mean all the people that helped me were the that's the story but again it, it's not one person it's that it, it was all of them all that's right
1: every such an impression on uh, all those people
3: you can, yeah you can come live with like come live with us like i hadn't talked to him in 13 years and within five minutes he's inviting me to come live with him <laughs> that's insane that. like you realize how weird by the way not just insane this is someone calling up saying, hey, I'm having a problem with drugs. Oh, well, come live with me. Like, who the fuck does that? Right. Like, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I would be extremely hesitant. And, and I'm the most giving person I know in the sport practically. And I would be hesitant when someone in that situation reached out and says, hey, I'm right. doing drugs. Um, but I I promise I'm clean now. Like, mm-hmm. like that's, well, maybe, like, see, you
2: that's weren't clean. doing like this. You said you weren't doing this promise you're clean. You were just like. Talk, calling to talk, and so that gave him that that confidence he needed to be like, all right, he just needs a he needs a helping hand. Yeah, no, it's it, it, easy, it,
3: but it, it's not it, like it, it, it could be. No, no, it could be some of that, but I certainly didn't. yeah, I didn't ask him if I could come out. Yeah. <laughs> I right. for, yeah, I didn't ask him. I know I wasn't asking him anything like that. I was just maybe talking to him about what, what path I might find back back in. Barry's like, mm-hmm. hey, here's, here's your path. All right, a path. here it is. Here, you got your bedroom. You get here and we'll figure it out. Yeah. By the way, you wonder how I how I repaid my. By the way, I'm not going to leave this on like uh, a uh, a serious note. You know how <laughs> I, how I repaid him. <laughs> I, I Barry was spending most of his time at his girlfriend's house, so I, I I met a girl there and I took pictures of of me and the girl I met in Barry's bed. <laughs> <laughs> Did I texted him? So, Thanks, Barry, for letting me come live with you. By the way, your bed's uh, way more comfortable. Uh,
2: <laughs> than my futon, <laughs> that's so funny. Her Yeah, my. we had, had a
3: beautiful bed. I was sleeping on a futon, and, and he wasn't all using right. it. Oh so,
2: right. yeah, let's make sure we. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. So, all right, it's just true story.
1: Good story, story. I think
2: that's pretty much, I think we covered pretty much everything we, we uh, everything and more. I don't, I don't know if Kyle has anything.
1: I'm so excited. Just happy. I can't wait to go edit this and just like, listen to it all again. Yeah.
3: cool. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. It was really fun. I love sharing. Look, I got so many stories in the sport. I could talk forever. So usually people have to kick me off, but it's, I just, I, this is, I live for this that's great it was good. Good to wonderful to hear um why don't before you go just uh let us know where to follow you let everyone know where to follow yeah, you and I, I, social media subscribe to my youtube channel uh, facebook and instagram of course um the biggest thing that i'm promoting the thing i'm most proud of is my six-month online become a complete disc golfer class uh, i'll give a I'll just real quick um, it's a six month class, you're not watching videos and then being given some curriculum to go practice, it's two live classes every month, um, but, but if you miss them, it's not a big deal, because you can listen to them recorded, it's fine, but you can chat if you're doing it live, um, then, then what you do is everybody is part of my, my Discord server, and you, you have, uh, you'll be posting an unlimited, in the class, an unlimited number of form review videos. And I have four four coaches in my class that are they are so good. It's unbelievable how how good they are at basically speaking my words um, on the form reviews. But so throughout the class, when I'm giving you the things to work on, and, and I don't remember, like I said, I don't keep the end result. Here's how the throw is supposed to look. That doesn't work. At least doesn't work well in my experience. I have a process, a step-by-step way to get there. You do step A, you do step B, you do step C. But constantly you're posting forms used to make sure you're doing this part right before we add the next layer. Uh, but it's a, it's an interactive class for six months. And uh that's it, ScottSoky.net. Um, it's I am so proud of it. I mean, it's literally my life's work in teaching disc golf is in this this six month class. So I would encourage anybody listening to sign up for it.
1: Um and uh we'll have it in that, the show notes. So don't worry about like perfect. remembering things. It should, it'll be there for you yes yes i i appreciate
3: that thank you for helping <laughs> promote it i mean you know i'm you know i certainly have an agenda to promote my stuff on here but i enjoy it thoroughly as well so it's a you know it's it's a pretty cool fun thing other than that i got my store net. all my tour merchandise my stokely universe merchandise the coolest full color buzzes you've ever seen are up on my net. i love uh, the artist's name creative rob he's
0: great and other than that, buy my book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Catch on it's all it so you can actually listen to him. Yeah, and read well, it to actually,
3: you. Uh, if you go to scottstokely.net, there's a link um, under the book there. Um, so back, you can follow the link there and then you can download the audio version or the or the Kindle version you can download or you can order a print copy as well.
1: And keep an <laughs> eye out for your next book. We have a documentary coming up. We have the
3: documentary. It's going to be launching. The documentary's done. And, and this is not, I didn't do this. this is a, a, a documentary filmmaker made a documentary. Yeah. Um, It's going to be announced here very shortly, and then it'll be available in about a month after. Um, oh, it's going awesome. to be, so, it, I mean, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it a bunch. It's really, really fun. It, it, uh, it's a great story.
1: I love it. You know? It's. It seems like whatever you're passionate about, it turns into something great, so. I think it's gonna be great. I,
3: I I hope so. Well, the filmmaker that did it um is he's really good. Like you can tell it's so professional. Gotcha. It's so uh, I get I mean it's let's let's put it this way. If I posted it to my page and say, hey, look what I made, everybody would call bullshit. <laughs>
4: <Gotcha>. <laughs> because this is
3: this is not this is not this is not amateur disc call for Scott Stokely YouTube video. Or, right. you know, phone app, phone app editing, you know, which is, right. I, I mean, I got some stuff on there that's put together pretty well, but this is, this is another level. This is like, well, let's put it this way. It has its own, uh, it, it, its own soundtrack that was written for the documentary to give you an idea. So like, you know,
1: yeah. that's that's um, and that's, that oh, there's like
3: also challenge. a music video coming out to promote Ooh. the documentary. So the, the, it even had, even comes with a music video that's of, a professionally produced, unbelievably cool music video
1: yeah this is this is uh i'm excited good to hear awesome i love hearing things about you're excited about that's so cool <laughs>
3: Excited <laughs> about everything we're gonna go to mount we're, we're about to go to a ninja museum
1: okay so t- talk about that for like two seconds yes Just, i'm happy to uh what what a ninja museum
3: yeah so there okay okay so real quick hand me hand me the phone with the screenshot of all the, <laughs> the things mark to do around mount fuji i want to show you what like how our what our life looks like before we do things yeah so it's um we've been doing we're in, so we try to experience the culture where we are yesterday we were at a kabuki show with the actual real kabuki theater you know everything's in japanese it's like japanese opera kind of okay. Okay. very traditional the night before we went to new japan pro wrestling Ooh. so that's <laughs> modern japanese theater um, mm-hmm. We have gone to a, a, an actual real geisha tea ceremony. We are, uh, you know, so we, we we try to do like everything we can do culturally, you know. We've been to the anime right. districts, all this stuff in Tokyo, and we went we've been to the to Hiroshima, uh, the Peace Memorial Museum. Mm-hmm. But we try to do all the things that you're supposed to do, in addition to getting out to the country away from everybody. But yeah, so we're at Mount Fuji. So we mark all the things that we want to do when we're in the area. So that is, those are the things that we want to do around Mount Fuji. Oh, wow. Wow. So, yeah. so that's like, that's why our map is so cluttered full of stuff. It's like, these are all the things. So the, the Ninja Museum is just one of the things on the map. But, right. uh, like, here's how the conversation goes. Adriana says, hey, hey, by the way, she, she doesn't ask. We we like the same stuff. So she, she, she just
0: She plugs things
3: in. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, hey, this is I. She goes, "Uh, there's a ninja museum. I'm like, oh, that's cool. We're going to go. That's great. She goes, yeah. And then, like, an hour later, she's like, holy crap. And I'm like, what? She goes, you get to dress up like a ninja and take pictures.
0: Oh, no way. That's amazing.
3: (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God. And she's like, yeah, with Mount Fuji in the background.
1: Like, you're a real ninja. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so those those are
1: those will be
2: on
3: your Instagram. I'm hoping, right? No, are you kidding me? Of course, <laughs> I get to be a ninja for a day. That's awesome. For an hour or or four minutes. Who cares? Fifteen <laughs> seconds, and I'm happy. <laughs> I know, I know exactly. See, that's, that's when, when uh, I was around in the like said, I was around in the 80s. You know, like that's when when like ninjas were like people thought they were like a real thing you know yeah, when black Belt yeah. magazine came out and people thought there were people with like these like these these abilities that they could like you know they can hide in plain sight and stuff like that and like yeah. that was like a big thing in the 80s so i grew up on ninja movies of course yeah well yeah that's awesome well, this yeah, is amazing so, yeah that's it
2: well we hope you guys enjoy your travels so much thank you so uh, much we
3: will be kind of keeping an eye and, and, yeah. and living vicariously through you. Oh, I got one more place to go then. Uh, go, look for Scott Stokely adventures on Facebook. I have a, a, a Facebook account for all the non-disc golf stuff, which I think is way more interesting than the disc golf stuff. Although it gets way less views because my audience is disc golfers. golf, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all of the non-disc golf stuff is on my, is on Scott Stokely adventures. I, I separate them.
1: Oh, Okay. Got gotcha. you. so yeah
3: yeah so awesome. if you want to put a link up on the description scott Sophie adventures facebook page so much neat stuff there that's that's, that's not discount awesome that's great
1: all right i'm gonna end the recording but you just awesome. stay on for one second all right, all right. eric you got anything else
2: no nah, we just appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule you- to hang out uh, i love it thank it. you it guys great. for taking the time to talk to me thank you thank you